0: Would you open your Bibles, please, to the book of Philippians chapter 4 and Ephesians chapter 6. Philippians 4 and Ephesians 6. I think next week I'll change my mask, because this one, it's hard to get enough air in. So Sister Bev was just telling me, one of our members said, Pastor, I, I could hear pastors labored breathing. I'm perfectly fine, perfectly healthy. It's just, how, do you remember trying to sing a while ago in a mask? Imagine trying to preach in a mask, all right? So we'll get this figured out. Now, some of you would say, Pastor, we're starting services already, and very few churches are doing that. Well, you know, I was talking with some pastors last, or two weeks ago, and told them that we would be starting up as soon as it went to 10%. And some of them looked at me and said, it's not worth the effort. Folks, Jesus died for you. You are worth the effort. I didn't hear you. Now, we will continue to be doing everything that we've been doing. We don't want to take anything away. Many of our people are not comfortable leaving their homes yet. We will walk this journey together until we get to the end. But I do want to remind you of something I shared with you last week in Morning Devotions. This is going to be a journey. This is going to take a while to get over. We are probably looking a year and a half, maybe two years Before the COVID and all of the economic chaos that it will have brought finishes moving through the economy. But I don't want you to get discouraged by that because God is with you. I didn't hear you. So I I talked to you last week in morning devotions. And I'll work on this more next week with you in the services. Sometimes you just settle in and you stand firm. And we're going to go through this and we're going to make it in Jesus' name. I didn't hear you. Now, I never dreamed we would see two seasons like this in our lifetimes. My prayer was always for the young people to never, ever go through what we went through back in the 80s. But you know what? You're going to get stronger, young people. And you're going to learn lessons in these days of God's provision. You're going to learn lessons in these days of God's faithfulness that will make you strong for the rest of your life. In Jesus' name. God will never fail you. God will never forsake you. Are we still here? All right, we've been studying for several Sundays now, and it's hard to preach a sub-point of one point. But we've been studying for several weeks about the spiritual conditions of this world. First Chronicles 12, verse 32, the men of Issachar, men who had an understanding of their times and knew what Israel should do. It's not just understanding the economics it's not just understanding the natural laws it's understanding what is occurring spiritually and we began to study a few weeks together a, w- a few weeks ago together that Jesus said there are seasons when darkness reigns from Luke chapter 22 verse 53 from the very beginning of this thing we've taught you out of Psalms 91 verse 6 nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness everybody say stalks in darkness Now, everybody is focused on COVID-19, but you need to understand COVID-19 is only a symptom. The environment is the darkness. Everybody say, the environment is the darkness. There is spiritual darkness that is across this world right now. This is a, a season when darkness reigns. And from the very beginning of our teaching you about this, we told you this is not something to be afraid of. Even when Jesus said, this is a season when darkness reigns, he looked and said, I am he. And Satan, inside of Judas, fell on his face before him. Even in a season when darkness reigns, Jesus is still Lord. God still sits on his throne. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. The promises of God are still true. And faithful is he who promised. And everybody shouted. And everybody shouted. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 preparing the church of Ephesus for a spiritual onslaught that was going to come when Satan moved his throne to Pergamum, which would just be about 100 kilometers north or 150 kilometers north. And Satan began to work to stop the great revival that had covered all of Asia. We see the impact of that change in spiritual phenomena when we get to Revelation 2 and Revelation chapter 3. But Paul preparing the church of Ephesus then, now listen, Take, their, take up, therefore, the whole armor of God. We'll get into this next week. That you may be able to withstand, or another translation says that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Everybody say evil day. Now, we must understand that there are days that we are living in right now that are different. Something changed. You and I think it's almost like a switch changed. Well, It was. Satan, who is the god of this world, began to do things in this world. Empires are beginning to change. All kinds of things are beginning to happen. But you and I need to understand that we are in this world, that we are not of this world. Our home is heaven from which we eagerly await a Savior. I can't hear you. all right, Pastor. We've learned how to stand by being mature in thought, by holding true to what we've already attained, by standing with the leadership that God has already given us, by remembering and focusing on the future of our eternity in heaven, that remembering that, hey, we're not, we're not focused on this world as if this, this is where we belong. We don't belong here. Look at the person sitting around you and say, we belong in heaven. Say it again. We're like a, a group of rebels in this world. We're, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're, we're aliens. Everybody say, I'm an alien. We, we just don't fit. We, we are a very different species in this world. We are citizens of heaven, Paul says, from which we eagerly await a Savior. Now, Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy, my crown, this is how you should stand firm in the Lord. Everybody say, this is how to stand firm. Now, we've talked a great deal about standing firm. We've talked about that firm place that God puts us in, that that God does this with us with with his strength. We, We don't trust in our own strength. God does it with his strength. We talked some beautiful truth about this firm place is a place of true grace. It's a place of faith. It's a place of being in Christ. It's a place of the local church. It is a place of the word of God. But now I want to pick up from there and begin to talk about what we need to do. Now, almost everything I've taught you thus far is very easy because it's what God does. Everybody say, what God does. And we really like the fact that God is able to make us stand. We really like the fact that God causes us to stand in true grace, that God causes us to stand in Christ, that God causes us to stand. We, We love all of that. But now this study is a little bit more confrontational because I want to talk to you about what we need to do. This week and next week is about... Our responsibility. Everybody say, my responsibility. If we are going to stand firm in what Paul calls the evil day, if we are going to stand firm in what Paul calls a season of Satan's schemes and slander, if we are going to stand firm in a season when the arche, the the ruling spirits, are, are instigating chaos and stirring up chaos all over the world, if we are going to stand firm in which powerful ruling spirits that control empires are, are being changed out. And, you know, by the time this finishes, we will see empires rise and empires fall. I mean, it may take us a few years, but you will see a change in the world. And as we, we, we are living in days of history. Everybody say, in days of history. Now, you know, it's, it's nice to say we want to live in days of history, but when you live through days of history, you go, I'm not sure I want to live here. But these are days of history. And if we're going to stand, we have to understand how to stand. Now open your Bibles, please, to Ezekiel 13, verse 5. Ezekiel says, you have not gone up into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel that it might stand in the day of battle. Ezekiel says the walls of Jerusalem are weak. You've got breaches. You've got breaks in the wall. And that's where, the devil will, that's where the armies will attack. He said, you've got weak points in the wall. And that's where the enemies are going to attack. He said, you have to learn that you have to go and strengthen those weak areas. And you have to go and fill in the breaches. You say, well, what does that have to do with us, Pastor? Many years ago, I taught you a series out of the book of Nehemiah. The Hebrew name Nehemiah means comforter. It's a beautiful type and symbol of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works with our lives and how the Holy Spirit rebuilds our lives and how the Holy Spirit takes the, the horrible things that have happened to us in our lives, the, the burned out stones, the destructive things that have happened to our lives, and he uses those burned out stones and those burned out rubbles and he rebuilds the wall. He rebuilds our soul. Everybody say, he rebuilds my soul. He takes some of the most painful things of our past and uses them to make our soul strong. And people will look and laugh at us and they will say, you will never be strong because of look at the things that have happened in your life. You will always be a broken person. And I taught you that we will not be a broken person. We are are not a broken person. God takes and makes those the strongest areas of our lives. Now, with that in mind, your soul is like the protective wall of your life. Everybody say, the wall of my life. Every temptation enters through the soul. Every temptation enters through your thoughts. Every temptation enters through your desires. Every temptation enters through your decisions, your will. Every temptation works within your attitudes. Your soul, the components of which are your attitudes, your thoughts, your will, your desires. Your soul is like a wall of your life. Everybody say, my fortress. It's like a wall that God has put in your life. It is a protective wall. Now, God looks at us and says, if you're going to stand in the day of battle, you're going to have to learn to look for the breaches To look for the broken down areas of your soul. Because that's where Satan is going to attack. You're going to have to look for the weak areas of your soul. Because that's where Satan will attack. Think with me. When Satan came to bring the temptation to Jesus in the wilderness. What was his first temptation? After Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. What were Satan's first words? Turn these stones into... Satan always attacks at the weaknesses, not at our strengths. So what I want to challenge you with today, no condemnation, no guilt, but just challenge you to go back and with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of the searchlight of the Holy Spirit, go back and take a look at your soul. Where are the breaches in your desires, the breaches in your decision making the breaches in your attitude the where where are the weak areas in your desires where are the where are the weak areas in the parts of your soul where are the broken down areas in the parts of your soul where Satan is going to attack now let me just take a few thoughts today i'm not going to get into this in great detail but i just want to get you thinking so that you'll have eyes to see when you read the scripture for instance Go back and read the last two weeks of Jesus' life in four different Gospels and see how he prepared the apostles, how he worked with the apostles on decisions that they were making, how he worked with them on their attitudes, how he worked with them on their desires, how he worked with them on their thought patterns. Look at how he prepared them for an hour when darkness reigns. Read through the book of Ephesians. And see how Paul worked with the church of Ephesus. Trying to prepare them for a season of darkness that came over Asia after the great revival. And how he worked with them and he said, now listen, grace to you who love the Lord with an undying love. But they didn't listen very well. They didn't work on that. Because by the time we get to Revelation 2 and Revelation chapter 3, they had lost their first love. Everybody say, my desires. My desires, my attitude, my will. Now, let's start with desires. Here's a couple of breaches to be careful with. 1 Timothy 6, verse 9. But to those who desire to be rich. Who what? Now, will God make you rich? Yes. Will God bless you? Yes. But for those who desire this, this is your Life's goal. This is your controlling goal in life. Those who desire, those who have as a controlling goal in life to get rich, fall into temptation. They do what? How many people here want to fall? How many people here want to stand firm? Raise your hands up high. Well, if we don't if we don't want to fall, we've got to work on that desire. Paul said, I know how to abound. Paul said, I know how to have great wealth. But he also also said, I know how to be a base. I know how to have nothing. It didn't matter to Paul whether he had a lot or a little. Paul was a happy man. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Paul said, but for those who desire to get rich, they fall into temptation. They fall into a snare. They fall into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Now, brothers and sisters, there's a fine line between enjoying the prosperity that God gives you, and crossing that line, and you want money more than anything. Let me say that again. There's a fine line between the blessings and the prosperity God gives you, and this desire to get rich at any cost. You don't care. You get to the point where you don't care who you step on. You get to the point you don't care who you 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 destroy. You get to the point where you don't care who you deceive or who you take advantage of. You don't care about who you hurt. Money is everything to you. Something has gotten broken. And you have to watch this. You have to watch out for this. And and please, it's not just rich people that get into that. It's poor people who get into that because they don't want to be poor anymore. You have to understand. You cannot have this thing controlling you. Now, the second desire is like the first one. Verse 10, for the love of money, the what of money? You should never love money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. weis translation puts it this way. For the root of all the evils is the fondness of money. There's the root of all the evils, the fondness of money. Which certain ones, bending their every effort to grasp, they'll compromise anything, they'll sell anything, they'll sell their mother, all right? Bending their every effort to grasp, have been led astray from the faith and have pierced themselves through many consuming griefs. Now let me give you a couple of things here. If you don't ever want to love money, just make a decision to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, that's not difficult. Jesus said you're going to love one and hate the other. You're going to be committed to one and despise the other. Jesus was very clear about it. There's an either or. Everybody say either or. So just make up your mind. However much money you have, or however much money you don't have, you don't love money. You love the Father who provides for your needs with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. That is the greatest commandment. And everybody said? Now, I promise you, if you'll keep your heart focused on loving God, you will never love money. Everybody say, if I focus on loving God, I'll never love money. Say it again. So strengthen. This area of your soul, the love relationship, every day of your life, fall in love with Jesus all over again. Some attitudes that you need to work on. Go back and work on these attitudes. The first one is humility. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit, now that means an unreasonable self-esteem, before a fall. How many people want to fall? How many people want to stand firm? Then strengthen humility in your life. Everybody say, strengthen humility. Now, humility is not fishing for a compliment because somebody says something nice to you and you go, oh, no, no, not really. That's just fishing for a compliment. And that's not, that, that's not humility. That's, that's false humility. That's really pride. True biblical humility is having an honest evaluation of yourself. Everybody say, honest evaluation. If Pastor Manalo were to stand up and say, I'm a good singer, that's that's not pride, that's humility. Now, if Pastor Manalo stands up and says, and I'm a great dancer, that's pride, because he can't dance. If I stand up and say, I'm a good preacher, that's humility. If I stand up and say, I'm the greatest preacher that ever lived, that's pride. If I stand up and say, I'm a great singer, I'm going to start singing. Well, my Sister Bev and I sang a duet the other night at the house. I'm sitting there, we've been, I've been teaching you on, you know, your soul finding rest. And, and I said, sweetheart, do you remember that song from the 1980s? And she did, and I said, let me start singing it to you. So I started singing it to her, my soul finds rest. She joined in. I was off key. She was on the right key, so I joined her. But now Sister Bev and I are going to start singing duets together. No, no, no. That would be pride. Everybody say pride. Please, humility is not a hard thing. It's just an honest evaluation of yourself. Everybody say honest evaluation. Say it again. You're not lying, you're not putting yourself down, but neither are you saying what's not true, okay? It's an honest evaluation. Work on strengthening that. Pride comes before a fall. Another attitude to, to strengthen. Humble repentance. Everybody say humble repentance. Jeremiah 6 verse 15 and Jeremiah 8 verse 12, they're exactly the same thing. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No. They were not at all ashamed. They did not even know how to blush. In other words, it didn't even faze them that they'd sinned. Therefore, they shall fall. They shall what? They shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Proverbs 28, verse 14. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always... But whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Brothers and sisters, there's nobody perfect but Jesus. And everybody said? Everybody say, I'm not perfect. Say it again. Now, because we're not perfect, we don't walk around with a sin consciousness, and we don't walk around feeling guilty and bad all the time. But we do walk around with an attitude that, I'm growing. Everybody say, I'm growing. God is perfecting the good work that he began in our lives. Now, when God begins to put his finger on things in your life that need to change, don't say, God, you know, I do all this other right. This is this one vice that I want. This is this one thing I'm going to keep. And when somebody challenges you on it, you don't even blush because, no, no, I want that. I'm going to hang on to that. You, you refuse to admit that it's wrong. And you're stubborn about it. You're what? Now, now, I beg of you, brothers and sisters, in the days ahead, this is not a time for stubborn unrepentance before God. This is a time for a soft heart before God. This is not a season to have a hard heart. When the Holy Spirit puts his finger on something that needs to change, you just say, yes, Lord, help me. I can't change myself. Yes, Lord, help that attitude. I can't change that. You you have to change me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, and change me. Have a soft, tender heart before God. Work on this attitude. Everybody say, work on it. Now, now, think with me. Judas... what what is one of the reasons he fell he was constantly stealing he was constantly what how many times did the Holy Spirit deal with him about that how many times did he realize how wrong he was to be doing that and continued it but he never changed and he fell So in these days when darkness reigns and temptation will be just flowing, I mean, temptation's going to be flowing, slander. You don't even know what to believe anymore in the world. In these days, keep your heart soft and tender. When the Holy Spirit says, listen, you're not going to be doing that anymore. Just come to him and say, Lord, you know, I can't change that. I want to change it. I know it needs to change. Please forgive me change my heart. Change the way I think about that. And God will help you. I didn't hear you. Proverbs 11 verse 28. The attitude of, I don't need anybody. Self-sufficiency. What is that attitude? You, you got you to deal with that. Self-sufficiency sounds very spiritual. But it's part of meritocracy. It is not part of spirituality. Now listen to what Proverbs says in 11 verse 28. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall. How many people want to fall? How many people want to stand firm? Put your hand up you want to stand firm. Okay. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall. But the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Brothers and sisters, wealth is going to fail. I'm sorry. Wealth, there is not enough wealth to survive a lot of things coming in this world. I mean, please, when you read the book of Revelation and you see the plagues that hit in Revelation and 25% of mankind dead and 25% of this city destroyed, you read the horrible chaos of the book of Revelation, you begin to realize no wealth can hold up to that. I mean can you imagine the economies during the great tribulation? I can't even begin to comprehend the economic chaos in the world. We lived in the 80's. I remember the peso six to one, then twelve, then eighteen, then twenty-four, then forty-eight, then fifty-two. Well you know if you had a million pesos in nineteen eighty at Far East Bank up the street, Far East used to be up the street, If you had a million pesos and the peso was 6 to 1, you had a pretty good amount of money, and everybody said. But when the peso went to 52 to 1, you didn't have much more than toilet paper. Now, now brothers and sisters, I don't know tomorrow. I don't know if the central bank will walk in and say, the peso is now 49 to 1 to remain competitive, and improve our exports to survive the crisis, we are going to devalue the peso to 100 to 1. They did that during the 80s. Don't think these things can't happen. You know what? We don't trust in our money in the bank. We trust in the God who provides. Did you hear what I just said? We don't look at all that and get discouraged. Oh, I worked so hard for that money. Ah. No, We don't worry about that. We don't trust in that money. We trust in our heavenly father who Jesus said knows our needs and will provide for us. I can't hear you. Now, some of you are looking at me like, pastor, are these days ahead? I don't know what's ahead. I just know God's there and God will take care of us. I didn't hear you. I'm missing my horns. I said, God will be there, and God will take care of us. I said, God will be there, and God will take care of us. So take a look at your life. Are you putting your trust in that money? I've worked so hard for this, Pastor. Are you putting your trust in that wealth? I've worked so hard for this, Pastor. Please, go back and work on your soul. There's a breach, and Satan will attack you at that breach. Satan can wipe away your money in a heartbeat, just like he did with Job. And you have to come to the point where you say, God, even if Satan takes away everything I have, you will restore it twofold in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? So work on this little breach of trusting in your money. That's, That's a great weak spot. Now, we've talked a little bit about desires, and there's a lot of them. I'm only hitting a couple. We've talked a little bit about attitudes. There's a lot of them. We only talked about a couple. Let me talk to you about a couple of problems with the will. Now, you can always tell the will because the will is where decisions are made. Where what is made? Everybody said decisions. You see the will as expressed in decisions. Now, here's a couple of areas to watch out for. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, beginning with verse 25, Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided itself against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. How many of you want to stand? How many of you want to stand? Then you can't have a divided lifestyle. Look at your will. Look at your decisions. Are you living a divided life? Do you act one way at home and another way at church? Do you act one way in front of your friends at the office of school and another way with your friends at church? Do you have two different barcadas and two different lifestyles? Are you living a divided life? Now, if you are living a divided life, forgive me, you have a huge breach in the wall of your soul. And Satan will march right through that with temptation in this season and destroy you. You have to go and rebuild that section of the wall. You have to go and rebuild that section of your will. That you will not be a divided person. You will not be a person who who acts different ways around different people. This is who you are. You walk in integrity. And everybody said, I am going way too long. Very quickly, let me give you one more. This is the hardest one. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 14. The mouth of the forbidden woman, the adulteress, is a deep pit. He with whom the Lord is angry will fall into it. Now, brothers and sisters, I taught you last week that God is able to make you stand. Everybody say, God will make me stand. There is the keeping grace of God. But you also have to understand that there are people who, because of their decisions... They lose this protective hand of God. They lose this hedge of protection of God around their lives. You say, well, how do they do that? They make God angry. They say, How do you know when this happens? Because the next thing you know, they're having they're in the middle of sexual sin. Now, I always had the pastoras deal with the ladies and I deal with the guys. my illustration will be for the men, all right? But if a guy comes into me and he's committed adultery, One of the things that I will do is begin to ask him, how did this happen? And usually, you know, they want to blame their wife, they want to blame their kids, they want to blame pressure. I said, no, no, no. Those are excuses. How did this happen? And I begin to walk them through. What is your spiritual life like? What is your spiritual life like? Your walk with God. What have you done for so long that you succeeded in making God angry. It's hard to get God angry. Now, God does get angry. The Bible clearly teaches us that. But the Bible said he's slow to anger. So what did you do for so long and so stubbornly that God got angry and just took his hand of protection off of your life? Now, now, brothers and sisters, this is something you have to look at in life. There are things that we have just calloused our heart about. Everybody say, "Calloused to my heart. Our conscience has been seared, as the Bible says, with a hot iron. We, we don't even feel conviction about it anymore. And we just keep pushing in that area and pushing in that area and pushing in that area. Just like Judas with his stealing. We keep pushing in that area until God, if you work at it hard enough, God will get angry. And the next thing you know, a man's committing or a woman's committing sexual immorality. Now, the sexual immorality is the symptom. The root is a long-term, stubborn lifestyle that God got angry. Now, brothers and sisters, I don't say anything to bring any condemnation. But I say this, please. In these days, by the help of the Holy Spirit, look at your soul. Do I have, have I burned or seared my conscience as with a hot iron in this area so that I I don't even feel God's conviction anymore? Am I stubborn with God in this area to the point that God, I'm just pushing God away about it? Take a hard look at your soul, brothers and sisters. Now, I've gone too long because we're trying to keep these services shorter, but basically that is one sub-point of a point. Okay, of a three-point sermon that is a sub-point a point two. I'll get to the second sub-point next week. Lord willing, when you go home tonight, may I ask you please, in prayer, sit down and talk to God. God loves you. I didn't hear you. Sit down and talk to God. You just say, God, you know, I know everything is such chaos out there. And we're entering into a difficult season spiritually in this world. And God, I don't want to be like Ephesus that lost their first love. Even though they were warned. God, I want to hear the warning to work on my soul. But I, sometimes I'm not even honest enough with myself, God. God, would you help me by the, by the Holy Spirit? Would you help me by the Holy Spirit? Not, not to condemn myself, but to look honestly at myself. To see the, the breaches in my soul that Satan can exploit. To see that the weak areas of my soul that Satan can exploit. And then God, by your grace and by the work of the Holy Spirit, help me strengthen those areas of my soul because I want to stand firm in Jesus' name. Amen? Would you stand with me? Did you learn something today? Now I know this was a harsh sermon, very confrontational, but we dealt with all the fun stuff Now we have to look at ourselves a little bit. Now again, do not go home and condemn yourself. Go home and say, God, I love you and I really want to do what's right. And I need your help. Your heavenly father will always help you because he loves you. Amen? Amen? We're not in this alone. The Holy Spirit... We'll show you things. And you'll go, you know, I hadn't even thought about that in years. And you know what? I'm still doing it. He'll bring to your remembrance something he spoke to you in a service five years ago. Or spoke to you in your devotion five years ago. And you didn't change. And you'll go, yeah. Wow. I really ignored you, didn't I, God? Everybody say, God? I really ignored you. Don't ignore him. He will be patient. But just come with an open heart and say, wow, I really ignored you. Forgive me. Will you work on me, Lord? Will you help me, Lord? I can't change myself. Will you help change me, Lord? And he will, in Jesus' name. Lift your hands before him. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we recognize the seriousness of the days ahead. Businesses are going to rise and businesses are gonna fall. Politicians are gonna rise and politicians are gonna fall. Nations are gonna rise and nations are gonna fall. People are gonna rise and people are gonna fall. But Lord, we choose to stand firm in true grace. We choose to stand firm in faith. We choose to stand firm in Christ. Help us, Father. We don't want to ignore the weak areas of our soul. But, Lord, neither can we change ourselves. By a work of your grace, Lord. By a work of your wonderful grace by the power of the Holy Spirit work in us and change us strengthen those areas of our soul Lord that have been broken down and weakened help us repair those areas that have just been knocked out Lord you can make us stand we trust you to make us stand in Jesus name Amen Amen. Now, I had another sermon I was going to preach as our first sermon back, and I wanted to have everybody all excited and encouraged, but the Lord just wouldn't let me away from this. Brothers and sisters, there are some difficult days ahead, but God will be with us. Everybody say, God will be with us. We're not going to be a people who are discouraged. We're not going to be a people whose faith fails us. We are going to rise up on wings of eagles in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at the people around you and say, it's going to be great. We will not survive. We will thrive. Everybody say, I will not just survive. I will thrive in Jesus' name. Campus pastors, would you come, please?